I'll be right there, son. I'm waiting on you, cuz. See you in a minute. What's happening, everybody? Michael Lee from Backwoods Life here. Um, I'm trying to get this podcast thing a weekly routine, and I almost made it. Um, so this is a bi-weekly right now because I missed last week, and that's just par for the course for me because I'm kind of a busy dude. I have a lot going on, but I like to take time to do these things for all both of y'all that listen so that I can have a little mental break, if you will. I don't look at my computer. I don't watch TV. I just sit here and talk, which I'm I'm a talkative person, but I'm not like one of those guys that has to dominate the conversation and talk the whole time. I don't think I am anyway. I've, I've never been a big talker. Uh, so I kind of feel things out, and I see where it goes when I'm talking to somebody or meeting somebody new, and then I see if we got something relatable, which is normally outdoors or sports or something like that, and then, you know, then I'll talk. I don't know. I feel things out. But on this thing, it's just me and a microphone literally talking in my office. So there's a whole, not a whole lot to it. Isn't that what podcasts are about? Just kind of talking because you can't see me. I mean, whatever. I know I ramble a little bit too. But anyway, it is March the 3rd. It's a nice, cool 40-whatever outside. It rained uh probably an inch, almost two inches in the last two days, so it's nice and wet again. We cannot catch a break from precipitation. So far, this February, March time frame, it's been pretty nasty, but, you know, when we plant food plots and get all that stuff done, we won't get a drop of rain. That's just the way it is. We should start, maybe we should start planting in February. I don't know what good that'll do, but maybe it's an idea. Speaking of that, we, we rode out our hunting camp this past weekend, and we got a lot done, and Checking out some new spots for, for bow season. I like to go in this time of the year when everything's kind of dormant and cut out some, you know, shooting lanes. And I like to trim out new spots to see um, from a stand perspective. That's less work you got to do in, in when it's 95 degrees, you know, closer to deer season. So I do that sometimes. Check on the feeders and cameras and all that jazz. Scout some turkeys. And we've got turkeys running everywhere right now. Maybe they won't drown. And I hope all this rain and cold weather goes away before, you know, turkeys start hatching out, which that's, you know, a, while, a ways away. But anyhow, just trying to do some off-season prep stuff so we can be ready. Turkey season starts in 17 days here in Georgia and Florida, North Florida as well. I think South Florida kicks off this coming Saturday, which is early, but they're they're fired up down there. Everything's green. Hell, it stays green down there in South Florida. That's what it's supposed to do, right? So I apologize for my sinusy condition today. This allergies and pollen's been nuts, so I gotta deal with it like everybody else does. Yay me. So this this podcast, you know, as normal, I'm gonna keep about twenty minutes ish somewhere in that ballpark is what I shoot for just because nobody wants to listen to me much longer. But I wanted to talk about part two of the where I grew up. Last time I talked about part one and my grandfather's and what I, where I came from and my grand, one grandfather specifically, per se, and kind of things like that. So I want to jump into the other side of the family this time. Uh, 
it was the same family dynamic. We've got a very close family on both sides, and I've always been that way. And our grandfather, Pop, John Hill Harris, he was a good man as well, just like my other grandfather, Davis Lee, was. And um, Pop was one that he worked hard. We had fun. We hunted together. We fished together. And when my when I was growing up, my dad was, uh, I guess, I don't know if you want to call it semi-pro bass fishing, but he was he was fished the bass tournament trails uh, in a couple states, and so he was gone on the weekends a lot doing that, and you know trying to win some money and do what he loved to do as well. And and so I was I hung around with Pop a lot, and they we lived just I mean a quarter mile apart if that. So I'd walk down there to his house. They they lived on Lake Blackshear. I had two docks on the lake there, and I'd spend most of my Saturdays and Sundays or whatever down there fishing and just having a good time. And uh, we, we, I grew up doing that. So fishing was been it was been in my blood before anything else. I mean, that literally, according to my dad, I caught my first bass when I was two. Uh, of course, I don't quite remember that day, but I'm trying. The older I get, the worse I would get. But so you think picture this: a little redheaded kid, two years old, just ripping an old largemouth in on there and say, hey, you got one, Dad. I'm sure that's what I did. Probably picked it up like, hey, Dad, I got me a big bass here. Look, check it out. I'm cool, right? And then I, I just, so that stuck with me. So I was, I fished every chance I could get before I started into the, the hunting stuff. I started hunting when I was nine, killed my first deer when I was 11, and first buck when I was 13, and, and just kind of went from there. But fishing was something that I could do, you know, most of the time, I, I, unsupervised, if you will. I mean, once I got past that two-year-old mark, you know, like three, but I would uh, spend weekends on the dock fishing, catching brim, and you know, for for northerners, sunfish, uh, shellcracker, bluegill, whatever, crappie, white perch, specks, catfish. I caught a bass every once in a while. Foul hooked a few carp, things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's what I did, and we would. We would fry fish some weekends. Pop, Pop loved to fry some fish, and we whatever was left, like on Sunday evening, we would take our fish basket full of fish and dump them all in a bucket of water. Then we'd take them down to the pond next to where I grew up in my mom and dad's house. Uh, we had a I don't know maybe a quarter to a half acre pond or so right there, and man, we just loaded that thing up with with all these fish that we didn't want to keep clean. So quickly that pond became a really good spot to fish as well. And then as I got older, especially in the teenage years, I migrated away from the dock fishing part and went to the pond fishing with my bass gear. And that's all I did that. Like I played baseball in the spring and I fished and that was it. And then in the fall, I'd kind of get into hunting a little bit, but uh, one one of the, favorite pop stories was I say it's my it's not really my favorite story but it's a pretty cool story I was I was bass fishing at our little pond there by the house I was I think I was 15 throwing a top bait a pop R for those of y'all that really know what fishing lures are um so we're out there, I'm out there fishing and I, and I catch a bass and it's probably a two pound bass something like that and I go to grab him by the lip and he flops and I get somehow I've got Two of the three, so on a pop art, you've got treble hook on the front and a treble hook on the back. For those of y'all who don't know what a treble hook is, that's a hook with three 
barbs and points, if you will. There's basically three hooks on each to make up one hook. So anyway, this fish flops and I get two of the three on one hook in my left thumb and one of the three in my right thumb. And when I realized this happened, I just snatched my right hand and just ripped that one right out. I just, I kind of did it without knowing what I was doing. I just saw it and yanked. And so I had a nice little hole in my right thumb and I got a fish still on the lure and two of the three treble hooks stuck in my left thumb. And as I tell this story, I'm sitting here looking at one of the scars on my thumb. So I get the fish off, throw it back. I go up to cut the, cut the fishing line off so it's not attached to the rod anymore. I go up. And I'm sitting on the steps at the house looking at my thumb saying, okay, now what do I do? I was home alone. I don't, I don't even know where my mom and dad were, probably at work or something. It was during the summer when I was out of school. So I said, hey, I'm going to call Pop. Call Pop. He said, okay, I'll be there in a minute. He comes down, looks at my hand. He said, we got two choices. You can go to the hospital, let them pull it out, or you can let me pull it out. And that was a turning point in my life because I said, all right, Pop, it's on you, buddy. You're, you're, you're up. You're going you're gonna to pull these things out of my hand, huh? He said, okay. So I went back to his house, and uh, <laughs> he cut the, the hook off of the lure. So I've got two halves of hooks sticking out of my thumb. And the barb of, the, of those two hooks are, are into, into the, my meat of my thumb, if you will. He's like, okay, this is gonna hurt. He said, I ain't gonna, I'm not gonna pull it backwards because it'll tear up too much. I'm gonna push him through the other side. <laughs> and I was like, okay, go for it. And it was, I mean, I didn't pass out or anything. It was, it was pretty bad. So you can imagine you're pushing a hook that's already in your thumb through the other side of your thumb. And after the first one, I didn't even feel the second one. I think my hand just went numb, my body shut down and said, okay, dummy, if you're gonna do this, well, I'm just not working with you anymore. So to this day, that was the last time, knock on wood, that I got a fish hook in my body. And that was the second time that year, because the time before that, I got hit in the back of the head with a jitterbug, which is a top bait with treble hooks in it as well. And one of those embedded in the back of my head. And I did go to the hospital for that one. And they gave me a lidocaine shot, and then a doctor popped it right out of my head. The shot hurt worse than anything else. Hindsight, I told somebody just yank that one out. Whatever, go for it. Let's go. But anyway, don't get fish hooks in your body. That's just, just a painful experience that you do not want to do. Be careful. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of times uh, I don't fish with things with treble hooks because I have flashbacks with those days. I know, weird, right? So anyway, that was that was one of my pop stories. And pop pop loved the deer hunt and turkey hunt. He like man, he loved hunting all that. He liked dove hunting and quail hunting, and I mean he he liked all of it. And that, that's what was awesome about Pop. He loved being at a hunting camp. We had our our hunt camp where uh, I kind of really really got into hunting over in, in a kind of western Georgia, in Stewart County, Georgia. We had you know my my uncles, my cousin, um, let's see Matthew, David, Wendell, my dad's second cousins, Boyce and Wayne. Their buddy Don, I mean Mr. Ganey, who was Pop's best buddy. Uh, we, we were all over there all the time. That was what we did. We, we went hunting at the hunting camp every weekend. This is when I was in college. I was in my 20s, early 20s. And so 
that dynamic really wasn't about the, the 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 harvesting or the killing of deer. Like we did, we killed deer, you know, but that was part of the fun, of course. But just being at that camp, hanging out with everybody, it probably kept me out of a lot of trouble in my college years just from not being in that, you know, at college environment all the time. And, uh, you know, taught me some responsibility. I had to obviously get there on my own and pay my own way and put up stands and, you know, you know, hard work. That's just what we did. We did it all the time. So I think that dynamic is something that today is really hard for people to accomplish because the price of hunting has gone up tremendously. And if you're going to get in a good hunting club or have some good land to hunt, it's going to cost you. And then the flip side of that is if you're in an affordable hunting club, and I'm not knocking it in any, in any way. I mean, I, I, I hope everybody can hunt however they want to hunt and shoot what they want to shoot. But, you know, if you're, if you're in a hunting club on a thousand acres and it's a hundred dollars a member, then you're going to have a pile of people and it's just going to take away from the hunting part of it. It's going to make that harder possibly depending on what kind of land you got. But it's a great dynamic as far as being around a deer camp and having a good time with people that you, you know, you don't know, then you, you learn to know. I mean, you, you become friends and it's just something that I think today is changed a lot. Um, I don't know. Pop loved that though. I mean, like we, he loved being over there. We had a good time and you couldn't sleep on the same end of the trailer with him, Mr. Ganey. They, they snored so loud. Like it was, it was torturous. It, it was bad. It was, it was as bad as you could imagine snoring be. And I'm a light sleeper. So dad is too. So we decided we, we had our own little bedroom in there and we kind of tucked away from everybody. We, it's a good thing about having your dad in charge of the, the whole shebang. So you can, uh, full rank i guess <laughs> but anyway we we had a good time over there pop shot you know a couple of nice bucks and shot in some does and at our mom mom and dad's house at at our farm i've actually in my bedroom there i've got two of pop's bucks um on the wall in there with one of mine and one of dad's and, and one of beth's so we, we've got a pretty cool little tribute there with all of us having you know four or five racks there together that all kind of correlate us hunting together and just passing that on and enjoying it so that's that's a neat thing that i like to show people when we're up there and i remember the last time pop and i were able to go turkey hunting together um it's been a while i mean of course he he passed away uh gosh it was 12 years ago somewhere in that ballpark now and we went turkey hunting together. It wasn't too, it was probably a year or so before he passed away that last turkey season. And we were hunting this piece of property that it wasn't a shoot whatever you want to place. And, and I, I respect that as a landowner, you know, don't want to shoot Jake's. And, but we had one big gobbler, man. He flew down in the middle of this field and we had the decoys out and he, he pitched down. He was a man, like he was a stud gobbler. And then like seven Jake's pitched down. And they're all out there. The jakes are strutting. The gobblers strutting. They're all gobbling. I mean, it's the last weekend of the season. And they're just going nuts. And we could get the jakes to break off and come to the decoys. We had a hen fly down, go actually lay down in front of the gobbler for her to him to breed her, and he wouldn't do it for some reason. I don't know if she was just a hoochie and he didn't want to try that, or the, she she just I don't know what the deal was. Maybe he's worn out. He just wanted to get out there and act like he wanted to do something. So. Never seen that before, actually. They never seen her walk away from a hen. She may have had something that penicillin wouldn't get rid of. You never know. 
But anyway, uh, we're sitting there, and, man, we get these jakes to break off, and they're, they're out there at the decoys, you know, 20 yards away. And Pop's got a gun up, and I'm sitting there, and he's like, you want me to shoot one? And I said, Pop, no, we better not. You know, the landowner really don't want us to shoot any jakes on here. Just just wants to shoot that, try to shoot that gobbler. And he said, all right. You want me to shoot a hen? And I said, no, we probably need to do that because it's highly illegal. Uh, but he was just there having a good time. And, and I'll be honest with you, in hindsight, I wish I'd have just told him to burn down one of those jakes just to have that one more memory of shooting one. I miss him. He's a good dude. Good man, taught me a lot. Taught me, uh, honestly, taught me work ethic. Um, not that my, my rest of my family didn't either, but Pop was one where he, he actually gave me my first job. Well, I don't know, I was 12 or 13 years old and, and he actually paid me uh, to work for him. At a, he had a, used to own a cotton gin and different you know grains and stuff like that would come through on rail cars. And he'd have me there to cut grass and do this and just odds and ends stuff. And I'd help him do whatever needed to be done. I admit, in the beginning, I was a pretty lazy kid. I, di I didn't know it. I didn't know it at all because I never had a job. I never had to do anything like, like of sorts. And, you know, it kind of stayed on me and rode me a little bit. And, and finally, I turned the corner. and I think I started doing a pretty good job for him, made him proud, worked for him. at Actually, a, another job after that when he was uh, working for a place with, that handled watermelons and course I was 16 17 years old with a strong back and could unload and load watermelons so that's what I did talking about being in good shape holy cow you work in watermelons you, you will be in good shape but taught me a lot I'm, I'm proud to be from that bloodline proud to know him and had had him in my life for for so long and we had a great relationship one of my favorite pictures I have on my phone is is me and me and him at the old hunting camp I was talking about. I, I killed an eight point over there one afternoon. Nice buck. No, I've killed a lot bigger, better since then. But that was a special one. Me, me and Dad were hunting together, and I killed that buck. And Pop came over there to the camp that evening to to hunt that weekend. I think it was on a Friday afternoon. I killed that deer. Got a picture of he and I together on my phone with that buck, and nothing can take the place of that. He was proud, and I'm proud. All right, y'all. Well, that's enough of my rambling for this time. Hey, I almost hit that 20-minute mark on the head. So hope y'all have a great week. Y'all dig in out there. Some of y'all still got the cold and pollen and whatever. This bipolar weather's stupid. 40-something today. It was 80 on Saturday. I don't know. Maybe we'll get through it. I know we'll get through it. We've gotten through it so many times before, now it's now it's time to get ready to chase some turkeys. First one I shoot, we'll do that one for pop. What y'all think? Leave me some comments. Follow us at backwoodslife.com. Hop on all the social media outlets out there. Look up Backwoods Life. Follow along. Kevin Knight and I, host of Backwoods Life. We got a YouTube channel that's got gazillion videos on it. So go support us on that. Got a Roku channel. If you know what Roku is, if you don't, look it up. Appreciate all y'all listening. All both of you. I'll try to do this again next week. Y'all be good out there. Be safe.
off a real life driving. That's right. Here's an easy street, I'm blood tired.